Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. In the New Covenant, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way. For so long, I was just always reaching out towards God. Where are you, Lord? But when I heard Andrew's message, it was just like the light bulb went off and I just like knew God is here with us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Friday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today is the end of my third week to be teaching on Discover the Keys to Staying Full of God. I've got a book on this, a study guide, CDs and DVDs, and I tell you, this has been powerful. If you haven't heard any of this teaching, I encourage you to go to our website. You can look at all of the past broadcasts to get the materials, but I promise you, this is something that you need. It is powerful. And this week, I've been talking about the power of imagination. And this is something that is foreign to a lot of people. Matter of fact, there's a lot of people that actually think that using your imagination is childish and that we need to grow up and just become realist and not dream, not imagine anything, not, you know, have these uh, uh, times that we spend just dreaming and thinking about things. People look at that as being unproductive. But I've shared a lot of things this week. One of them is out of Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says, The Lord will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon him, because he trusteth in him. And that word, the Hebrew word there, is the exact word that is translated imagine or imagination a number of times in the Old Testament. And the word literally means conception. Your mind or your imagination, which is a part of your mental ability, is your conception. It's like your spiritual womb. You have to conceive things in your imagination before you can see it come to pass in the flesh. And I've used a lot of examples in this, scriptural examples where even the Lord said over in Genesis chapter 11 that He was threatened by man's imagination. He says, I've got to divide their tongues because nothing that they have imagined will be restrained unto them. In other words, if you can imagine it, you can conceive it. Now, there needs to be some balance to this because I'm not talking about going out and just imagining whatever you want. I'm talking about your imagination being focused on what God has told you to do, what God's Word reveals to you. I've used it as an example a lot about healing. There's a lot of people that pray for healing, but they never see themselves healed. And this is really important. So anyway, we've dealt with a lot of things. What I want to do today is go back and just show you that if the imagination is as important as what I've described this week, which I really believe it is, how come the imagination isn't spoken of in a positive way? For instance, here's a New Testament scripture on imagination. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So here it's talking about that our weapons, our spiritual weapons are for the purpose of casting down imaginations. And you can turn back to Genesis chapter 6 where the Lord repented that He had made man on the earth because the imagination of the thoughts of His heart were only evil continually. 
And nearly every time that the word imagination is used in the Scripture, it's used in a negative connotation. If the imagination is powerful so that the Lord said anything they've imagined will be done, uh, they will be able to accomplish it. Well, if the imagination is so powerful, how come it's always spoken about in a negative way? And you know, one time I was thinking about this, and then I was reading over in Romans chapter 8. Let me share this verse with you out of Romans chapter 8, and in verse 24, it says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And I was just meditating on this and thinking, what is this? Hope is seeing something that you can't see. It says that if you can see it, then it's not hope anymore. And as I meditated on this, you know, this is the exact definition of what an imagination is. The dictionary defines imagination as the ability to see in your heart what you can't see with your physical eyes, something that isn't present with you at that moment. That is your imagination. And as I thought on this, I really believe that God calls a positive imagination hope. Whereas imagination, all except one use, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, I believe it's verse 18, is the only positive use of imagination in the Old Testament. Most of the time when it talks about imagination, it talks about people, you know, the imagination of their heart was only evil continually. But if you're talking about a positive imagination, you're talking about hope. Now, this opened up a brand new area, and we could spend literally weeks taking all of the scriptures about hope. You know, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Hope is one of the three greatest things listed in scripture. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so hope is a powerful force. And you know, let me use this example. At one time I heard uh, Charles Capps use this example, and he talked about a man who, you know, lived in the backwoods and only came out into town once every 10 years or something like that. So he was off the grid. He didn't have electricity, didn't have any of these kind of things. But he came into town. He went to a church meeting and uh, they were in a church service and all of a sudden it began to start getting hot and people were beginning to fan themselves. And an usher walks up right on the wall next to him and turns this little dial on a thermostat. And within just a minute or two, this man started feeling cold air blow on him. And man, he was so impressed with this that as soon as that service was over, he went right to that usher and he says, what did you do? And he says, what do you mean? He says, well, you turn that thing on the wall and cold air started blowing. And he says, what is that thing? And he says, well, it's a thermostat. And he says, can I get a thermostat? And he says, well, sure, you can get a thermostat. Where do I get a thermostat? And he says, you can go to any hardware store and buy a thermostat. So before this guy went back, you know, way back into the woods off the grid again, he first of all went to a, a hardware store and asked for a thermostat, bought one, and went and put it on the wall of his little cabin out in the woods. And when it started getting hot, he went over and turned the thermostat. And of course, nothing happened because the thermostat 
isn't the power unit. It's not what produced the air conditioning. It just controls what produces the air conditioning. And that's the way that hope is to faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you don't have hope, or you could say, if you don't have a strong imagination, a positive imagination, then faith doesn't have anything to turn it on, to produce. You have to start with hope first. Sometimes if a person, you know, is believing God for a healing, somebody will say, well, are you healed? Well, I'm hoping I can be healed. And they will just immediately discount hope and say, no, you can't hope. You got to believe. Well, again, faith is the substance. It gives substance to things that are hoped for. So hope, even though it's not the end result, it is a part of the process. Or you could say it this way, that your imagination, even though imagination is not the power source itself, it drives the power unit. It's what turns it on. It's what activates it. You know, there was a time that my wife and I were uh, needing a new car. The one that we were driving was really beat up and we just needed a new car. It wasn't emotional. I wasn't into it emotionally, but it was just something that we had to have. So we started talking about it and saying, what kind of car would we like and stuff. And so uh, we weren't ready to buy a car at that time, but we thought, well, let's go down and just look at some cars and see what's available. And I did not want to buy a car. I wasn't motivated. We didn't have the money to buy a car at that time but I just wanted to go start the process. So we went down there and you know, these salesmen at car dealerships, they understand the power of imagination. They understand you seeing yourself in that car. So I went down and just started asking some questions about, you know, what are the uh, payments? What are the prices on these things? What are the uh, warranties? How long the warranties? What's covered under a warranty? And I was just trying to get some information but man, the salesman would have nothing of it. He didn't want to answer those questions. He didn't want to talk facts with me. He says, now sit in this car. And I said, no, I'm not wanting to buy a car. No, sit in this car. And you know what? He wanted me to see myself in that car. I didn't want to drive the car around the block, but he insisted, you got to drive this, try it out. And he'd talk about, doesn't that feel good? Doesn't it smell good? And on and on. And anyway, after spending some time with that salesman, Jamie and I went home. We didn't buy a car, but I stayed up half the night trying to figure out a way for me to get that car. You know why? Because I had seen myself in it. And when you come back and sit in your old car and stuff, you know, it doesn't smell new. Now you can go buy that smell in a can and spray it in there, but nonetheless, uh, you know, you see yourself in there. What that is, that's your imagination. Salespeople do this. They'll say, can't you see yourself doing this? Can't you see this? Wouldn't, wouldn't this be nice for you to have this in your home and stuff? And they get your imagination going. And the moment your imagination gets in gear, I guarantee you faith starts working. How can I bring this to pass? So it's just like that thermostat on the wall. Your imagination isn't the power unit itself, but it activates the power unit. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You need hope. You need a positive imagination. And sad to say, our, our world, we live in a fallen world, and Christians do not have 
the uh, upper hand, the majority of the information that's being shared with you is being shared by unbelievers. Even if some of them possibly are born again, they're carnal believers. People are not presenting hope today. They don't tell you all of the good things. They don't report on the thousands of planes that land safely. They'll tell you about the one that crashed. They don't tell you about all of the good stuff that's happening. They tell you about all of the bad stuff, the rapes, the murders, the killings. They tell you about all of the contention and on and on. And it's just constantly gravitating towards the negative. And what it does, it makes our imagination negative. We start seeing the bad side of everything. And there's people that honestly, they just have been conditioned to imagine everything bad. And going back to the original scriptures that I started with in Romans 1.21, there's a progression. If you don't glorify God and put value on Him and honor and esteem God and His Word more than you honor and esteem the Word of the news broadcasters, the word of a doctor, the word of a lawyer, the word of anybody else. If you don't magnify God, if you aren't thankful and constantly focused on the good that God has done, and if you don't do that, well, then you will focus on all of the bad that's going on in the world, and your imagination will just become vain. The word vain there doesn't mean that it doesn't work. Your imagination always works. It can't not work. You can't think without your imagination. But it becomes vain. That means it becomes unproductive. It be actually begins to start working against you instead of working for you. And sad to say, this is where the vast majority of the body of Christ lives. They live with a negative imagination. You know, if you've had somebody in your family that say, for instance, had some type of a sickness or something and you saw them waste away and you saw, like say, for instance, if it's arthritis and you saw them just get worse and worse and eventually be stoved up in a wheelchair or something like that. And if you've been a caregiver for them or if you've been close to somebody like that and then all of a sudden you're diagnosed with arthritis, did you know because most people will exalt what they see, taste, hear, smell, and feel above God's Word because they will exalt what the doctor says and his prognosis more than what God's Word says, your imagination will just immediately start seeing yourself being like this other person. And I have dealt with lots of people and I've seen healings of just about everything that you can imagine, but people who have been closely associated with somebody who's had that same sickness and they died from it or they suffered the rest of their life, it's hard to get those people healed. Not because it's harder to heal, you know, one thing than another. It's because of their imagination. Again, they see themselves. They, they live vicariously through that other person. They see how they suffered and they just see themselves suffering like that. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whether you realize it or not, every one of you, every one of you, I, I know some of you are going to say, no, that's not me, but it, it's every person. You have an image of who you are and what you can do and what your future's going to be like. And you know, many times there's people that came, say, from an abusive home and their, their father beat their mother or something like this, or they were an alcoholic or something, 
and they see that and that's their norm and that's what they expect. And even though they hate it and even though they choose to go the other direction, you'll find that many times people will wind up being exactly like their parents that they didn't want to be like. And you know why? It's because you saw that and you just have adopted that image. You think that I'm their child and this is the way it's going to be. You've got an identity crisis. You don't know that you're a brand new person in the Lord. You don't know what God sees you. You know, there's people that have been berated. I had a guy who was an associate with me and he, he was with me for many, many years and his father just was a mean, mean, ungodly man. I meant the man. And he just was mean. And he, anyway, he told this guy, he says, you're so stupid, you can't even screw a nut on a bolt without cross-threading it. And he used that. And because of that, when this man was grown and out on his own, we worked on cars together, and I would see him literally shake as he put a nut on a bolt. And he'd put it on, and it would work, but then he'd say, I must have crossed there. And he'd take it off, and he'd put it on so many times until I never saw him put a nut on a bolt that he didn't cross through it because he was cursed, because he had that image. And you know what that is? That's your imagination. You see yourself as, I can't do this. I'll never be able to do this. You may have been told that. Maybe your own experiences, you failed in some way. Say you went bankrupt and, and you lost a business or something, or you lost a marriage and because of it, you've been beating up on yourself and you just can't ever see yourself succeeding in those areas. If you can't see it on the inside, then you'll never see it on the outside. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. How do you change this image? Well, first of all, you have to have a relationship with God. If there's anybody watching this program that you have never made Jesus your personal Lord, if you've never received your forgiveness of sins and let God Himself come and live on the inside of you, that is the very first step. There's a lot of people who believe that there's a God and think that that's enough. But the Bible says over in James chapter 2, says, You believe that there's one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But won't thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? It takes more than just believing that God exists. The devil believes that God exists. You got to do what the devil has never done, and that is you have to receive your salvation. You have to welcome God into your heart. You have to turn your life over to Him. Now, if you have never done that, that's the starting place. Because when you experience your forgiveness of sins, God will start revealing His purpose to you. But prior to that time, if you aren't born again, there's no reason that God wants to show you that you're supposed to become an entrepreneur, that you're supposed to marry this person, that you're supposed to do this. None of those things are relevant until, first of all, you get born again. What does it profit you if you were to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? So the very first step for any person watching this is you need to make sure that your life with God is right that you've received God and that you are born again, that God Himself comes and lives on the inside of you. If you've never done that, that's where you start. But once you receive salvation, then God starts revealing things to you. And how do you change this image on the inside? 
Man, I've got some great teaching on this. The teaching that literally transformed my life is 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. That's not talking about your physical body. My body didn't change when I got born again. I was a man before I got born again. I was still a man after I got born again. You know, your looks don't totally change. If you were fat before you got saved, you aren't going to automatically be skinny and buff after you get saved. Your physical body doesn't change, and your mental and emotional part don't automatically change at the moment you make Jesus Lord. If you, you know, whatever your memories were, wherever you lived, however you were educated, that's, you're still going to have the same mind, but it's your spirit that gets totally changed. And in the Spirit, you become a brand new person. And the way you change this image on the inside isn't by trying to go out and lose weight, lift weights, uh, make your body better, go and just educate your mind. The way you change the image is to go to God's Word and start finding out who you are in Christ, such as in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is... Our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, speaking about Jesus, so are we in this world. Not so are we going to be in the next world, so are we in this world. You can't see that in a mirror. You can't just feel it in your emotions, but in your spirit, you are a brand new person. And as you start renewing your mind and changing your identity and finding out who you are, then God will fine-tune that and show you specifically how He wants to use you to release His life through you. And see, when that starts happening, then you've got a positive imagination. You've got a hope. God will show you this is what He's wanting to do with your body, with your marriage, with your finances. Here's the vocation, and He will start leading you. But it all begins with a personal relationship with the Lord, but that's not all there is to it. Then you have to renew your mind and change your identity and start living out of that born-again part of you instead of out of the physical part of you. Well, what I've said is a mouthful. The vast majority of Christians today do not know who they are in the Spirit. They know themselves after the flesh, and they let the, either the successes or the failures of their flesh control them. But you're a totally different person on the inside. When you get born again, God has a unique purpose for you, and you've got to discover it. And then once you see that, that hope, that positive imagination starts working and everything changes. You know, in my life, God showed me 51 years ago what He wants me to do right now. I didn't know the details of it. I had no idea how it would come to pass, but I knew some of the details, some of the things that I'd be doing, and I've been moving in that direction, and that hope has been like an anchor to my soul that has kept me on the right path. God wants to do the exact same thing for you. You know, this book entitled Discover the Keys to Staying Full of God will help you. This will answer so many questions for you. It will teach a lot about this imagination. I've also got a study guide, and then I've got CDs and DVDs, and I promise you these materials would just transform your life. And so I encourage you to listen to our announcer as he gives you the information about how you can receive this. Please call or write 
and ask for the materials today. And then join me again next Monday as we continue this teaching on staying full of God. Andrew's complete series titled Discover the Keys to Staying Full of God is available in either a CD album or in a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. This teaching is also available in book form, or you can get it in a companion study guide which will deepen your personal understanding and is perfect for Bible studies, home groups, and Sunday schools. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. Or if you prefer, these products are available as part of the Discover the Keys package. This package includes the book, the companion study guide, and your choice of either the CD or DVD album. This package has a catalog value of $80, but you can receive all of these valuable resources today for a gift of $55. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. I'd like to give you a special invitation to join me on July the 18th through the 20th. I've joined together with E.W. Jackson, who's just an awesome minister. We've become really good friends, and he and I are hosting a conference called STAND. It'll be held at our facility here in Woodland Park, and it's going to be a tremendous time. And together we are going to stand up for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This will be talking about your personal life, but also about how we can take a stand in this culture and make a difference. So check it out July the 18th through the 20th, at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. I didn't have any intention of coming to Karis on my own. My husband knew he wanted to come to Karis. And two days in, I'm in, I'm all in. I love it. It's transforming my life, our marriage. Where we used to fight like every day, we don't hardly, hardly ever fight now. We've been in this two months and I'm in, I'm all in. And uh, I'm, I'm ready for what's next. <laughs> Did you know that God created you for great things? He's placed His power and purpose inside you, and He wants to do more in your life than you can think or imagine. At Karis, get immersed in the Word of God and walk in power and purpose for a lifetime. It is one of the best decisions you can ever make coming to Karis Bible College. It's taught me what relationship with God looks like. It's helping me to get stronger so I can get ready for whatever God wants to do next. I wanted more of the Word of God in me. That's all I wanted. And I got so much more. I'm ready to take on the world. 
You have an amazing purpose, and it's time to step into the life God created you to live. A disciple is a person who continues in the Word until it sets them free. Karis Bible College. Change your life. Change the world. Do you want to connect with like-minded believers? Then Karis Bible Studies is the place for you. Find a Bible study near you by visiting karisbiblestudies.net. Have you checked out the Inside Story yet? It's a great way for you to get an inside look of what is happening at Andrew Womack Ministries. With over six years of interviews, there's a lot to get excited about. Check out this month's featured story today, only at awmi.net.